athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I'm the son of a saint, still considered a sinner. Three rings on his finger, yeah, that boy was a winner. We're locked into the Dopey Show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Once again, hope you're continuing to stay safe where you are. And, you know, I was reading in this whole COVID-19 situation where um, the uh, a lot of those that are dying from from the coronavirus. And I mentioned the fact, as a matter of fact, Sean Boynes, I mentioned him uh, a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine who passed away from COVID-19. His uh, they had a virtual funeral uh, for him, as a matter of fact, on Thursday. But a lot of the people that are dying from this are in the black community. As a matter of fact, I was reading in St. Louis, 55 percent of the deaths are in the black community. Wow. Uh, you talk about disparity. You talk about uh, discrepancies. I tell you what, um, uh, we need to do everything that we can to uh, to not. And, and, and I don't want to. So I was corrected. It's not social distancing is physical distancing is what the term should be. Physical distancing, not social distancing, whatever you want to call it. We need to stay away. I know there, there, there are a lot of efforts being made. And as a matter of fact, you see protests across the country in terms of people wanting uh, to go back or try to get back to as normal as possible. But while people are dying from this and we're, we're st- that's the thing, like we're still learning about the coronavirus, COVID-19. We're still learning about it. Don't know everything about it. It's best. And, and I get it. It's an economic deal. It's a deal where you know, uh, it's it's sort of becoming a new normal, uh, if you will. And once uh, this passes, what will the new normal be? I know there have been a lot of talks in terms of sports being played and so on and so forth. College football, the hot topic right now. Listen, we have to continue to physical distance, must continue to physical distance. Stay in as much as possible. I know, I realize it's not easy. You you have people that are in certain situations um, where they can afford to maybe have family at the house like I do. Have family at the house. Um, we can do various things, have things that we can do uh, in the house, outside of the house, etc. You know, you have people that uh, aren't as fortunate. And, and I understand that. But until, because at the end of the day, if we don't, physical distance, social distance, whatever you want to call it. If we don't do that, you don't know who has that virus. Uh, You don't know if you have the virus. If someone you're around has it, you've now uh, given it to that person. That person has given it to you. You've gone somewhere. That's why the physical distance was put into place. And we need to continue to observe that as long as possible, really until we can learn more about how the virus works, how it's spread, etc. Please continue to physical distance, social distance, if that's what you want to call it. We got a lot to get to today on From the Press Box to Press Row. As a matter of fact, our National Football League draft uh, continues as we talk to uh, some of those now former collegiate athletes who have an opportunity to be drafted into the National Football League draft. And on today's program, we're going to be joined by South Carolina State, now former South Carolina State offensive lineman Alex Taylor, participated in the National Football League Scouting Combine, participated in the Senior Bowl, also a box-to-row All-American. Alex Taylor going to join us today 
here on From the Press Box to Press Row. You know, we've been doing this a long time in terms of talking with, uh, and more specifically, HBCU athletes. We've talked with uh, those uh, from others, from non-HBCUs as well over the years, but generally HBC, former HBCU athletes. And it's interesting because in we started this thing in 2006. And on that very first show, Bruce Eugene, uh, one of not only the great quarterbacks to ever play in the SWAC, but one of the great quarterbacks to ever play in FCS or Division One AA, formerly of Grambling, joined the show. Antoine Bethay, who uh, had played up until last year, every year in the league since 2006. As a matter of fact, uh, it played in 209 games, started 200 of those games was part of that first show as well out of Howard. He went on to be a sixth round draft pick that year. And then the other young man at the time that we had on the program that very first year uh, that we did this was uh, Tavares Jackson, Tavares Jackson. Uh, if you hadn't heard uh, passed away earlier in the week was involved in a car accident, just 36 years old was ultimately and originally uh, was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings who moved up uh, in the draft to select him. He played with a couple of other teams, Buffalo, probably most uh, notably after the Vikings, he played with the Seattle Seahawks where he won a Super Bowl ring. And uh, tragically, I mean, you talk about a tragic death. This was a, he was a, he was a good guy. Like, you know, we had him on the program back in 2006 and, uh, just a, just a good guy, um, uh, you know, um, uh, made the best uh, of, of, of the career that he had. Ultimately, as I mentioned, as a backup quarterback, winning a Super Bowl with the um, uh, Seattle Seahawks. And so may replay some of that interview. We're, we're going to take a, a bit of a look back a, a, a couple of times today uh, here on From the Press Box to Press Row as Tarbaris Jackson again passing away at the age of 36 involved in a car accident earlier this week. I tell you, it's been a tough week uh, when you talk about HBCU football because Willie Davis, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Willie Davis passed away also at the age of 85 um, uh, on uh, Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Wednesday, uh, as a matter of fact. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about Willie Davis, going to replay part of an interview that we also had uh, with Willie Davis, had him on the program uh, a couple of times. But I'm going to talk more about what he meant uh, to Box to Row and then generally speaking. Uh, also today, here on From the Press Box to Press Row, also want to talk about Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson uh, drives, uh, or did, I should say, uh, drove the number 42 for Chip Ganassi Racing. They have these iRacing deals that happen each week. Well, uh, unfortunately for Kyle Larson, he used the N-word. Wasn't aware, I'm, I'm sure, but I mean, obviously doesn't excuse it. Um, and used the N-word during the iRacing event on Sunday. Uh, Chip Ganassi Racing came out. Uh, on uh, either Monday or Tuesday and said they were very disappointed uh, in in the language that was used because everybody heard it. That's the thing about it. Very uh, disappointed in the language that he used. He ultimately came out, issued an apology. The next day, Chip Ganassi Racing uh, and, and NASCAR uh, also, so he was actually uh, suspended indefinitely uh, by Chip Ganassi Racing and by NASCAR. And then ultimately the next day in a press release, Chip Ganassi Racing dropped Kyle Larson. I was reading an article where um, he last year in 2019 made nine million dollars in 2018, made ten million dollars from racing, from from endorsements, etc. And now is out of racing for using the N word. And the question that I have, because. One of the things, and, and this is the deal, like NASCAR, I think uh, overall has done a has done a really good job, especially more uh, recently, of uh, disassociating itself uh, from uh, from uh, from racism, from 
from prejudice. You, you know, they uh, a couple of years back, I can't remember how long ago they banned um, the flying of the Confederate flag, all of these things. And I think NASCAR has done a really good job. So when something like this happens, it, it people go back and say, see, see what NASCAR did. See what Na-. it's not about NASCAR. This is an individual who decided to use this word, okay, which is obviously a word that you cannot use. It is plain and simple. Um, but I would ask this question, and what, one of the things I also uh, must mention, and, and we've had Kyle Larson on this program in the past. As a matter of fact, Kyle Larson uh, is a graduate of the uh, of NASCAR's Drive for Diversity program, as a matter of fact. Now, Bubba Wallace, who is the only black driver on the circuit came out and said that he thinks that Kyle Larson deserves another opportunity. I've, and, and matter of fact, I've heard that. Uh, I, I saw that somebody tweeted that I saw uh, and, and, and somebody on Twitter said, Hey, I'm black. I think, you know, obviously he made a mistake and I think he ultimately deserves um, a second chance. And, you know, I think we, I mean, listen, you know, you, at the end of the day, you, what he said, you cannot say. Okay, you cannot say it. Um, I think, to me, from what I saw, I think he was uh, contrite. Uh, I think he was forthright uh, when he came out. Because now, remember, he came out and made the apology prior to being fired by Chip Ganassi Racing. Because ultimately, McDonald's and uh, Capital uh, Capital One Bank, I think it was, pulled out um, uh, of sponsorship and then ultimately Chip Ganassi Racing decided to part ways with Kyle Larson. But I want to ask this question, and again, uh, he's been backed by Bubba Wallace, who we've had on the program many times, including more recently when we were uh, at uh, the Daytona 500 Media Day back on uh, February the 12th, has said he deserves a second chance. Be clear, he did say he doesn't condone what he said, but he, he, he they talked, they FaceTimed, uh, and he, he said that uh, he thought that Kyle Larson, in fact, deserved a second chance. Let me ask this question to you. I want to get your thoughts. Uh, of course, you can hit us up on Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Does context matter when using the N-word? Does context matter when using the N-word? I, I read um, exactly how. Kyle Larson used the N word. Um, and um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and try to, you know, try to justify anything uh, with respect to Kyle Larson, but I, I'm good. I'm just asking the question because it seems to me in the context of how he used it. And again, I'm not trying to justify this. I'm just saying in the context in which he used it, he should not have used it. But I'm asking you the question. When when that word is used, if that word is used, does the context of that word being used matter? And do you think that Kyle Larson deserves another opportunity? Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. You can also hit me up on my personal Twitter account at dware one at dware one also. And follow me while you're there. And also uh, on my Instagram account at where Donald. Want to thank all of the great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press one. I must say all of the personnel, we talk about personnel that is on the front lines, uh, our, our health care uh, personnel. We talk about our grocery store folk, uh, people in essential businesses that have to be on the front line that uh, produce services, agriculture, uh, you know, pork industry, chicken industry, which we, we which are being hit very hard. And those are some of the you know, when you talk about the state of North Carolina, um, you're talking about um, where a lot uh, of of uh, of people uh, depend uh, upon making their living off of agriculture, off of uh, chickens, pork, etc. But I want to thank personally the personnel at these respective radio stations that carry our program. 
You have a lot of times where a lot of these, um, whether it's programmers, whomever, have to go into the station. I know where a lot of stations are automated, but a lot of programmers have to go into stations to be able to program and to put this show on the air. So I say thank you to you. Thank you to those listening to us that listen to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142 and those that listen to us around the world at box to I'm up against the break. Two questions for you. Uh, we, we were talking about Kyle Larson, his use of the N word uh, when in, in not maybe not in his situation specifically, we can talk about his situation specifically, generally speaking, if the N-word is used, does it matter the context in which it is used? And should Kyle Larson get another opportunity? Your thoughts hit me up on social media. I'm up against it. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Going to talk a little bit more about the life of Pro Football Hall of Famer Willie Davis, who passed away on Wednesday at the age of 85. Dish TV is better than cable TV. Here's why. Dish has the nation's lowest TV price, along with an award-winning DVR that can skip commercials, record eight shows at once, and get access to thousands of movies at your fingertips. Cable simply can't even compare. So the smart choice is to cut the cable and get Dish. Plus, you get all these great TV features, free HD DVR upgrade, free installation, and free movie channels. Say goodbye to cable and get more with Dish TV. Call 800-579-0107. 800-579-0107. As an added bonus, you can switch to Dish now and receive a $50 Visa gift card. So call now and get Dish TV. 800-579-0107. 800-579-0107. That's 800-579-0107. Limited time offer, 24-month commitment, and credit qualification required. Cancellation fee, monthly equipment fees, and other restrictions apply. Promotion can change at any time. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row, now former South Carolina State All-American Offensive lineman Alex Taylor going to join us on the program, hoping to hear his name called in next week's National Football League draft. I'm pretty sure he's going to hear his name called. Paying homage to the great Bill Withers, who passed away a couple of weeks ago at the age of 81 with maybe his signature song, Lean On Me. Speaking of passing away, again, a tough week when it comes to HBCU football. Our former quarterback, Tarvaris Jackson, passed away at the age of 36 uh, from a car accident earlier in the week. And then it was Willie Davis, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Willie Davis, who passed away at the age of 85 due to kidney failure uh, on Wednesday. And, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about Mr. Davis has joined us a couple of times uh, on the program. First and foremost, as great a football player as Willie Davis was, and Willie Davis uh, was an absolutely phenomenal football player, his afterlife was as impressive. I mean, you talk about the various boards that he was on because, you know, after Grambling, I mean, he went and got his MBA uh, from the University of Chicago. He's, you know, he served on so many boards uh, in his latter life, he was a phenomenal uh, businessman. He's a great businessman. And, you know, it, it's, it's as much as and I think he went into broadcasting um, also for a little while, at least early on. It's a it's you know, he was as great a man off the field as he was on the field because he gave, you know, so many opportunities to a lot of people with his business ventures. As a matter of fact, um, I had him ranked number eight uh, on the um, top 100 players that uh, played in the National Football League that went to HBCUs. The deal that I did for USA Today last year, I had him ranked number eight. Um, phenomenal man. Had a chance to not not just have him on the program, to, but to sit and chat with him um, numerous times, as a matter of fact. Um, and he had a conglomerate of radio stations uh, as a matter of fact, uh, and with that, 
Uh, and a matter of fact, the name of his company, All Pro Broadcasting, and one of the uh, radio stations, WMCS, the former WMCS uh, out of Milwaukee, carried from the press box to press row for about two or three years. And he was glad to have, I know, one of the, the, pro, the interview we did in 2012, shortly after his book came out, um, he indicated that he was glad to have the program on the air. And um, it, it was on the air, like I said, maybe two, two and a half years, um, something like that. But I've had had many conversations with him. Um, our the Boxer Row Defensive Player of the Year Award is named after Willie Davis. It's the Boxer Row Willie Davis Defensive Player of the Year Award was named after him. Um, this year's winner was Royster, Darius Royster from North Carolina Central. But had he just was a gentle man, um, did a lot after his playing days were over. A lot of business ventures into radio on various boards, uh, etc. So I want to take this time now to replay the interview that we had with Willie Davis back in 2011 as the Pro Football Hall of Famer joined us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And, and, you know, even after your days um, at, at Grambling and something that I read, I thought was, you know, we, we just finished talking a little bit about, um, you know, the retired players and how how really rugged a game it was. Even even when you play something that is staggering to me is that in, in a 12 year career and 162 games, you never missed a single football game. I mean, that's unbelievable. <laughs> and I tell you now, Sometimes I feel like that uh, I hurt all over when I when I think about uh, twelve consecutive uh, years without uh, without missing a game. Uh, but I can tell you, it, it was not because I didn't play a few uh, hurt. Uh, but uh, fortunately, uh, I was able to to play uh, twelve years mostly uh, free of injuries, and that. Uh, that would be quite an accomplishment in today's world. It's great because, I mean, you know, you were drafted into the NFL. You really started off with the Cleveland Browns, a 17th round draft pick, 181 overall. You know, you had a rough going in the beginning there with Cleveland. Is that correct? Oh, no question. No, no question. And one of the things that actually it was Cleveland had problems – trying to find the right spot for me. Paul Brown, you, you know, and one of his favorite expressions was, we can teach you, we can show you, but we can't do it for you. And I, oh, that, right. that's kind of scary time. Right. But uh, I, uh, I, I, was, I was what you'd have to call a betweener. I, I was not big enough to probably – be alignment at that time in the sense that I was about 220 pounds coming out of Grambling. And yet, you know, I had great speed and good reaction, thank goodness. And so even Coach Brown was always looking for where, what was the right position for me. And and of course, the big difference when I went to Green Bay, and this happened from the very moment I took talk with Coach Lombardi, and he said, "You're coming to Green Bay," which at that time I was a little bit uncertain. I was considering Canada, and he said, "You're coming to Green Bay," and he said, "And you're going to play left end for us." And I got to tell you, it, that was the moment that I, I locked in, and for the rest of my 10 years at Green Bay, I, I, I said, I remembered that conversation on the telephone, and I, I hung up the telephone saying, well, this is probably going to make a big difference in my life. Wow, that is a great story, because what, you know, what just occurred to me was the fact that you played for Eddie Robinson, Paul Brown, and Vince Lombardi. That is, that's 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 a, that's a good class of coaches right there, Mr. Davis. <laughs> you know what I've said many times. I said, gee, 
having played for Eddie Robinson and and, uh, and Paul Brown and Vince Lombardi, if you didn't turn out to be something somewhat good, then uh, people would be saying, "What's what's wrong with you?" <laughs> Well, you, you know, and that brings up a, a, another point going, you know, getting uh, talking about Cleveland in, in, in your start there. Um, you know, what what did you what what did you think it was going to be like anyway? Because I believe Jim Brown was there the year before you got there. You know, what, what were your thoughts on uh, on blocking for him? Uh, well, you know, there was never a greater opportunity than blocking for Jim Brown because uh, one of the things he would tell you is, that, hey, if you can't move him or if you can't, just make sure you get your feet out of the way where it doesn't trip me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you know, I, I guess I used to go to the line of scrimmage on offense thinking more than anything, hey, I got to get my feet out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> if I, and, uh, and, and, you know, we played Baltimore then when they had Big Daddy Lipscomb and he uh, – and I remember I blocked him on about the second play of the game. Of it. And the first thing he, he does is jump up and he puts his finger in my face and, and and he used a term which I can't use here. But he said I had done this, it was early, and I was going to get punished for this. <laughs> and uh, he was probably right, but I, I remember telling Jim Brown, I said, you can't block this guy. And he said, well, Willie, just get your feet out of the way. And he, about 235 yards later, <laughs> I said, well, Mr. Brown sure sure made his his, uh, his prediction come true. <laughs> that, of course, the voice of the great Willie Davis, who joins us here on the program. Uh, so, you know, Mr. Davis, you, after your football playing career, you – you know, you're you're now a businessman. You you had, you know, you had a, a greater things for you and, and, and believe that you had you, you wanted to achieve greater things off the field after football. Right. Correct. Talk talk a little bit about that. Well, you, you know, that's interesting that you would ask, because I, uh, as you know, I went back to the University of Chicago while I was still playing, believe it or not, uh, and I got my MBA from the University of Chicago in 1968, uh, uh, a year before I retired. And uh, I-, I can tell you that that getting that degree and and somewhat positioning myself, I, I mean, it just it, it kind of caused everything to this point in my life to just kind of work. Uh, I. I, I I was the first African American in this country to have a beer franchise uh, from a major brewery in in Los Angeles, and and it just kind of everything just kind of sprung from there. I at one time uh, I was in uh, I, I had the beer distribution company, and I owned uh, a half dozen radio stations that I. Uh, that I got into in, in 1977 and, uh, and and everything else, and it just uh, from that point it, it just made my life in transition in some ways more financially secure than I had as a football player. Pro Football Hall of Famer, Grambling great Willie Davis, passing away at the age of 85 on Wednesday. That was him as he joined us on From the Press Box to Press Row back in 2011. Up next here on the program, NFL Draft Hopeful, formerly now of South Carolina State offensive lineman Alex Taylor. We track down the names making news in sports from the Press Box to Press Row. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. It's our annual National Football League draft show here on From the Press Box to Press Row, talking with some of those that have an opportunity to hear their name called in the NFL draft taking place August 23rd, April 23rd through 25th. And on the line, we're joined by a box to row All American offensive lineman from South Carolina State. 
Uh, he pl- he is of course from uh, Monk's Corner, South Carolina, and uh, goes six nine in excess of three hundred pounds. He's Alex Taylor. Joins us here on from the press box to press row. Alex, first of all, how are you doing? How are your family doing in these time in this time uh, of COVID nineteen? Uh, everybody's good, you know. Everybody's trying to stay stay safe, you know. Going to the essential places like we got to go to Walmart or something, wearing gloves, masks, stuff like that. But um, I feel like everybody's doing pretty good. Yeah, where are you? Where are you right now? Like, where are you? Are you back at home? Yes, sir. I'm back at home in most corner. Okay, so tell me how sort of you know, especially how, how training obviously has to be a little bit different for you uh, right now. How are you training? T- talk to us about your workouts. Well, so recently, my, my gym literally just closed last week. So now I've been um like he will send me he'll send me workouts and I'll try to go to the gym at my high school when I can if the coach can open it for me if not then I'll just you know go to the field and do my own workout with the little stuff I got I got some dumbbells you know bands and stuff like that so I get it in how I can really yeah no question about it. you got it I mean that's that's just how you know just how the environment sort of is right now. Um, let's talk about this season, a good season for South Carolina State, a 2019 uh, MEAC co-champs. Your thoughts on the season for the Bulldogs? Um, I feel like we had a, a great season, to be honest. I mean, of course, we wanted to win it outright, and you know, but being co-champs, you know, it, 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 that's, it's a piece of the title. But I felt like we actually had a pretty good season from start to finish, and we finished pretty strong. I felt like we had a good carryover from the season before to this season here. Yeah, I was going to ask, can you speak to how 2018, especially the latter part, because the Bulldog, I mean, it didn't look so good early on, but you you finished the season winning four of your last five in 2018, which led, as you mentioned, to this season and again, co-champs in the MIAC. Yes, sir. So um, after in 2018, like once we, you know, got mid through season, we just sat down and everybody flipped the switch. And then, you know, we won those last uh, four games. We just took it on into the uh, off season, uh, training hard, working out hard. And then um, everybody, I felt like everybody bought in once it came to the summertime and football camp. And everybody just, you know, didn't want that feeling of, you know, going, what was it? My last year was four and five. Yeah, nobody had like that feeling. So we just, you know, said we, we set goals at the beginning of the season and everybody just decided they wanted, you know, win the championship. So we stepped into this this past season and just, you know, with a chip on our shoulder. Yeah, you've got an interesting story. We're going to talk more about that as we're talking with Alex Taylor, box to row, All-American, plays tackle or played tackle at South Carolina State, hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League draft. Joins us here. I'm from the press box to press row. So now your first season with the football team was 2018, correct? Yes, sir. That was my football, my first season. Okay, so speak to that. I mean, you kind of coming in in 2018 um, and sort of really getting acclimated uh, to the team. And again, it it seems like your acclimation sort of um, helped to lead to that strong finish uh, to end 2018. Yeah, so when I I joined the team, um, I met with the team in the spring of 2018. So I kind of, you know, I already knew some of them anyway, but uh, I didn't get f- full time with those guys until that summer. And then just going into summer workouts, you know, just, you know, taking what I know into the weight room, trying to, you know, coach guys up and just, you know, just the little stuff that I've seen that I was like, yo, we got to try to turn this around, do this, do this, and we could do a lot of things better. And then um, I felt like I gained some respect from the guys when it came, when, you know, time to start camp. Uh, I got out there, you know, having played before then in like two years, so I was a little rusty. But um, I got out there and I actually it came back to me so quick, and I ended up uh, just earning my spot within the first two weeks of camp. So I felt like then, like I got I, I, uh, the respect, I got the respect from the guys, and then I guess they just started looking to me as a leader, in in the sense of you know, I, I mean, I have a, a, a big presence. And I'm not the type, I'm, I'm not a loud guy, but, you know, I speak with uh, my actions being louder than my words. So just coming in and trying to help those guys turn things around, especially on the O-line, just because, you know, the O-line has struggled a couple years before. So Yeah, you know, I think that one of the, it's interesting you say that because, I mean, when I think back to South Carolina State long before you got 
um, to the Bulldogs. I mean, this was a, you know, it, the, the offensive line in South Carolina State, you look at from maybe like 2010 up until maybe your arrival. I mean, the offensive line not only was really, really good, but was producing guys that had an opportunity to play in the National Football League. How much did you know about the history of South Carolina State, so the more recent history of the South Carolina State offensive line? Um, shoot, it's crazy because I didn't, like, before I even went to state, I didn't even know much about the history of it or about the football program or about how they put guys in the NFL, stuff like that. But I just knew once I got there that first year, they had um they had a guy on the team. Well, they had two guys on the team, I think, that go undrafted off the O-line. You had um Lehman, and then you had a guy we call Big Tree. And um, so, I mean – it was always like, you know, some guys there that the talent is always is there, you know what I'm saying? So I just went in and I was just like, shoot, I can, maybe I could be the next guy. Yeah. You know, a name that comes back to mind from going back some time, not too far back, but uh, you know, before you, Johnny Colbreth, I mean, it was just a bunch of guys um, that South Carolina state used to have from an offensive line standpoint. And so obviously you were part of that resurgence, but the thing about it, Alex you came to South Carolina State not uh, – you didn't necessarily come to South Carolina State, I should say, to play football. That is correct. I came um, I came to play basketball. So that's, that is exactly why I ended up at State in 2017. That is – I mean, that is so crazy. Talk about that and because you ultimately – so what happened at App State? Were you playing both football and basketball? What ultimately happened and then allowed for you to come to play basketball first off at South Carolina State? Um, you know, it just it just wasn't the place for me. You know, at the end of the day, um, I don't want to get too in depth of things, but I just felt like I was just going through the motion, so I, I didn't want to just sit there for four or five years and just waste it away when I knew I could. I, you know, I got talent that definitely hasn't even been close to being exploited fully yet. So I was just like, yeah, I think it'll be best for me to just take my talents elsewhere, and that's when I ended up going to South Carolina State. So when you were at App State now, where you were playing football though, right? Yeah, just football. Okay, so why the change? Not necessarily coming to South Carolina State, but why the change in terms of mm-hmm. coming to SCSU to play basketball? So, I mean, before I even went to Appalachia State, I was only playing football for three. Well, I, pl- I didn't start playing football until my junior year, but I don't really count that year because it was just my, my first year ever playing. So I say my senior year is when I actually started and was, you know, actually playing. So basketball football was still new to me, so new to me at the time. And then the whole situation that happened up there at App, it just kind of, you know, swayed me away from the game a little bit. And I just went back to what I knew at the time, and that was basketball. So that's when I just decided to, you know, I'm going to leave football alone and just step back into what I know. Alex Taylor of South Carolina State, now formally, uh, hoping to hear his call, his name called in next week's uh, National Football League draft, joins us here on the program. Um, Alex, w- what about the combine, man? You were at the NFL scouting combine, um, put up some pretty solid numbers, you know, came in at uh, a little more than 6'8", and what about 310 pounds or so? Talk about that and that experience at the combine. Um, the combine was definitely a great experience. I mean, after, you know, just seeing it on TV, all these years and just like dang i'm actually here uh so it was just you know a lot to soak in a lot of the uh the guys that were there to talk to us um just being around like other top prospects like you see the joe burrows the tours the the um the chase youngs of the world so it was just it was just a lot you know like dang i'm 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 you know I'm, i'm here with these guys so i just at first it was just overwhelming but then you know when the time when it came time to you know go in the field i just you know i felt normal and i felt just like you know hey just gotta come here and show up yeah and you did that i mean you did that who who was the most that you remember maybe whether it was at the senior bowl at the combine who was like the most difficult you know defensive lineman you had to go against um so at the senior bowl the most difficult d lineman i would say um well i uh i'll say uh Dang, I don't know. Terrell Lewis was pretty good. Okay. Um, but I'll say in the game for the North, it was Josh uh, Uche with me. He's a he's more of a linebacker type body, but he was playing the end. He was stretched out wide, so he's pretty small and shifty. So he's quick. So he was pretty good with that. So I'll probably say him. 
Yeah, I was going to say, maybe I asked you the wrong question. Maybe you dominated everybody. It wasn't hard to go up against anybody. <laughs> nah, I felt like I definitely handled myself pretty well out there, you know, just coming in, being a smaller school guy. I had that chip on my shoulder, so I, I wasn't about to come in and just, you know, let nobody walk over me or anything. I was out there you know, showing myself, showing what I can do. Yeah, and I think you showed yourself. I mean, there's no question that you showed yourself well at both the Senior Bowl uh, and the NFL Scouting Combine. Alex Taylor joins us here on the program. What about that Senior Bowl, man? What what was that? You, you talked about the NFL Scouting Combine. What was the Senior Bowl like? Well, so the Senior Bowl was definitely like a – it's, the senior bowl is a good, a great thing for guys in my my shoes, my situation coming from, like I said, a smaller school, FCS school. So um, once I got the invite, I was excited because that was one of my goals was to get that invite. And um, and I got the invite. And once I got there, it was just like, oh god, like, all right, I'm here with dudes from Alabama. You know, what I'm saying Notre Dame, this, you know, Florida's the big school. So I'm just like, they, I mean, I was like, you know, I was a little shocked, a little overwhelmed too, but. At the end of the day, like I said, when it came time to get on the field, they they men just like me. So, like I said, I felt like I handled myself pretty well. But it was definitely a great experience too. And I was, you know, I'll say it's a great experience for guys coming from smaller schools for sure. Yeah, have you been able to talk uh, with Darius Leonard? What what kind of advice has he shared with you about this process? Yeah, I talked. I actually talked to him. Uh, Right when I got to the Senior Bowl, he hit me up on. Um, he hit me up and was just like, you know, just go out there, show, show, and show, show out basically, show you can play with the best of them. You know, what I'm saying we, he was like, we got a chip on our shoulders coming from a small school, so he was just like, just don't be nervous or anything. He was just like, just, just go out there and play ball. Yeah, I know. I know guys like, you know, you, you look at, uh, you know, Hargrave. And and then you look at like a Tariq Cohen a little bit before your time, but you know Darius Leonard, Brandon mm-hmm. Parker, those guys mm-hmm. uh, that have come from the MIAC um, and are playing, you know, at a high level in the National Football League. Can you speak to, you know, h- how you've mentioned the small school deal, but that you know some pretty good football is played in the Mid Eastern uh, Mid Eastern Athletic Conference and you know at the HBCU level. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree because um. It's a lot of ta- – I mean, talent – you can't just necessarily say just because you didn't go to a big school, he can't play ball. It's talent everywhere, and it's it's obviously showing now. And I feel like for the years to come, it's going to be a lot more small schools getting uh, – smaller school guys getting, you know, drafted or getting that shot at the next level. Just because if anybody – it's a game – anybody can play, you know what I'm saying, no matter if you're at a big school or not, so – you know, I think one of the things they always have to find a weakness, right? It's always got to be a weakness, mm-hmm. always. So, what com- what do you say, or what comes to mind when you hear former Hooper making some scouts question his love of football? Um, yeah, I mean, it's been definitely some scouts, you know, saying he left. You know, what I'm saying he's been a Hooper, played, and then he ended up leaving the game again. You know, does he love the game? Like, if when things get tough, will he, you know, just leave our team again? But I mean, shoot, I feel like I've been, I made it this far. I haven't been through a good a good bit of, uh, you know, some adversity. But I feel like I'm not about to put myself in this situation now. That And I'm about to be on the biggest stage for sports, or for football anyway. But I've grown a lot since that time. And I definitely feel like I've shown that I've grown to love this game of football just by the way I've been playing and just carrying myself. So. Yeah, what are some of the teams saying to you, or have have they said to you? Um, I mean, I've talked to a good bit of teams. Um, you know, we just going back and forth, chopping up about football, uh, talking about my strengths, my weaknesses, and what I could work, what I need to work on. You know, at the next level. Yeah, what what are some of the things you feel like you need to work on? Oh, definitely myself. Well, I need to. I'm tall, so I just got to work on more bending, um, get more, a little more flexible. Uh, my hips, uh, run blocking, the run game, I can get a little better just learning how to not get get my pads so high. Um, pass blocking, I say went learning when to shoot my hands and not trying to open up so soon. So I feel like i got a, a pretty good handle of what I need to work on and what I have been working on, actually. You know, you've seen the National Football League draft for so many years, and obviously next week it's going to be a lot different. Your thoughts 
on the draft and the virtuality, uh, if you will, of it? Um, well, shoot, I'm I'm excited. Like I can't wait. Like I'm I'm ready for this for the draft. But um, the whole virtual part of it, I mean, it's it's still cool because I mean it, it, they're still having it, so it's still being broadcasted. But I know a lot of people are sad they can't go to the draft because I know that's that's once in a lifetime experience. But I feel like it's definitely going to be a big thing still that they're still having it. Uh, still having it anyway, just with all this going on. Alex Taylor, box to row, all American, formerly now of South Carolina State, hoping to hear his name called in next week's NFL draft. He joins us here on from the press box to press row. Alex, really appreciate the time, man. We look forward to hearing your name called in next week's NFL draft. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. If you read a lot of what the scouts have to say about Alex Taylor, I don't think there's any doubt he's going to be drafted. As a matter of fact, he's going to be drafted. It's just a matter of where. And a lot of times the smaller school kids, they're they're always going to look for something wrong with a smaller school kid. But we've seen the last couple of years where there, maybe not last year, but if you go back, to 2018, 2017, we've had uh, quite a few players, uh, at least from HBCUs, that have been drafted rather high. We're going to put a stamp on the program on the other side. Dish TV is better than cable TV. Here's why. Dish has the nation's lowest TV price, along with an award-winning DVR that can skip commercials, record eight shows at once, and get access to thousands of movies at your fingertips. Cable simply can't even compare. So the smart choice is to cut the cable and get Dish. Plus, you get all these great TV features, free HD DVR upgrade, free installation, and free movie channels. Say goodbye to cable and get more with Dish TV. Call 800-579-0107. 800-579-0107. As an added bonus, you can switch to Dish now and receive a $50 Visa gift card. So call now and get Dish TV. 800-579-0107. 800-579-0107. That's 800-579-0107. Limited time offer, 24-month commitment, and credit qualification required. Cancellation fee, monthly equipment fees, and other restrictions apply. Promotion can change at any time. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Talked about the life and times of Pro Football Hall of Famer Grambling and HBCU legend Willie Davis a little bit earlier on in the program. And as mentioned, a tough week with respect to HBCU football. Willie Davis passing away. Tarvaris Jackson also passing away. An HBCU legend as well. Quarterback at Alabama State. And I want to replay part of the interview that we had with Tavares Jackson going back 13 years ago, right around this time, uh, going back to the 2006 NFL Draft. He came on from the press box to press row about two weeks prior to the National Football League Draft in 2006. Uh, they, they, well, they just, like, when it came to my pro day, they just wanted to see me throw again. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted, because I ran like a 4 six, eight, something like that, 4-6-9 to come by. Kind of want to improve that, you know, because I feel like I'm, you know, I can run a better forward in that. But um, you know, I kind of want to uh, come to my pro day and run that, is run that again, run faster. But they really, really didn't want to see me run. But you know, I had been working so hard on it for so long, so I kind of wanted to, you know, kind of a, a personal thing. I kind of wanted to, you know, get a faster time. You know, I, I got a little faster thing. Still run like a four six, but it was like a little bit like four six two, four six four, something like that. So now I was a little, a little more happy with that. And you know, I, I threw the ball a whole lot better. You know, at, at pro day because you know you get a lot more throws at your actual pro day than you do at the combine. So I feel a lot more comfortable. You know, I feel like I, I did. I feel like I did better at my pro day also. Tavares Jackson, quarterback at Alabama State, uh, joining us here on from the press box to press row. Speaking of the. Uh, the the East West game. How do you you know? Obviously, you did well in that. You're, you you know, as you mentioned, your stock has has, has certainly uh, uh, risen. How do you feel you you did in that particular game, playing with some of the the best players in the country? 
I think I did pretty good, you know. Uh, that's, I think that's kind of helped me out a lot because, you know, by playing the uh, Division One Double A ball, you know, uh, kind of want to see me play against the, uh, you know, more, know the uh, the bigger school guys, you know, guys that you know made a name for themselves all over the all over the country or whatever. So it's kind of when they want to see me play against better competition, you know, as, as they say. So you know, uh, I think I want to improve my stock. You know, I show them that I do fit in with with anybody else, man. So I think that helped me out too. Tavares Jackson, the uh, quarterback at Alabama State, joins us here on From the Press Box uh, to Press Row. As a matter of fact, uh, Mike Maycock of or Mayock of NFL.com has you ranked as the sixth best uh, quarterback uh, in this draft behind um, Jay Cutler from Vanderbilt, Matt Leinart from USC, Vince Carter from Texas, Charlie Whitehurst from Clemson, and uh, uh, Brody uh, Coral from Alabama. Uh, what have you heard in terms of where you'll be drafted this year? I really don't try to kind of, you know, listen to it, but, you know, because all of them pretty much just guys' opinion mm-hmm. and predictions and stuff like that. But, you know, you know everybody want to go early, early as possible. So I'm, some of the stuff is kind of, you know, just, a, you know, you know what kind of, what, what part uh, where about in draft you might go. It's not exactly right, but I think you can use some of that stuff to kind of figure out, you know, where you well, like what area you gonna go or where about or whatever. So, but I just kind of don't look at those things. Just talk to my agent and just talk to different teams that talk to me and try to see what they say about me and where I think I'll go or something like that. That was Tavares Jackson a couple of weeks prior to the 2006 National Football League draft, and if you remember, he originally played a couple of years at the University of Arkansas, which is where he originally signed, got a redshirt year his first year because he got injured, wasn't getting a lot of playing time, decided to transfer to Alabama State, and the rest, as they say, is history. And, you know, I, I, we see a lot of players that are transferring from, from one school to another, and back then you couldn't really – you didn't see it wasn't as prevalent to transfer from a school, particularly uh, in a, a FBS to an FBS school or even FCS to an FBS like we're sort of seeing today. And he was able to transfer. And it, it just goes to show that if you can play, you can play. And he had a lot of success at Alabama State leading the Hornets to the SWAC championship in 2004. As a matter of fact, and remember, Minnesota moved up. In the second round back in 2005 to select him, had a chance to uh, to uh, to text with um, Reggie Barlow, his former offensive, uh, uh, his quarterbacks coach, and then ultimately was the head coach at Alabama State. He just said uh, trying to hold it together at that time, sad and devastated over the passing of Tavares Jackson. We're going to get ready to wrap it up here on from the press box to press row. Thank you to Alex Taylor. For joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. If you missed any of this show or any of our shows, log on to our website at boxtorow.com and you can listen to the archive shows. Got a great show lined up for you next week. Check in with us on Twitter and Facebook to find out who will be our guests next week. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.